Section 40 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Xu Qing. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 45, Part 1. Friends interchange words of friendship. Dai Yu feels dull on a windy and rainy evening, and in night's verses, on wind and rain. Lady Feng will now go on to explain, was engaged in comforting Ping Er, when upon unawares, perceiving the young ladies enter the room, she hastened to make them sit down, while Ping Er poured the tea. So many of you come today, Lady Feng smiled, that it looks as if you have been asked to come by invitation. Tan Chen was the first to speak. We have, she smilingly rejoined, two objects in view. The one concerns me, the other cousin water. But among these are, besides, certain things said by our venerable senior. What's up? inquired Lady Feng with a laugh. Is it so urgent? Some time ago, Tan Chen proceeded laughingly. We started a rhyming club. But the first meeting was not quite a success. Every one of us proved so soft-hearted. The rules, therefore, were set at naught. So I can't help thinking that we must enlist your services as president of the society and superintendent. For what is needed to make the thing turn out well is firmness and no favor. The next matter is, Cousin Quarter explained to our worthy ancestor that the requisites for painting the picture of the garden were short of one thing and another. And she said that there must still be, she fancied, in the lower story of the back loft, some articles remaining over from previous years and that we should go and look for them, that if there be any, they should be taken out, but that in the event of there being none, someone should be commissioned to go and purchase a supply of them. I'm not up to doing anything wet or dry, that is, play on word she verses. Lady Fong laughed. And would you have me, pray, come and gorge? You may, it's possible, not be up to any of these things, Tan Chun replied, but we don't expect you to do anything. All we want you for is to see whether there be among us any remiss or lazy, and to decide how they should be punished. That's all. You shouldn't try and play your tricks upon me, Lady Fong smiled. I can see through your little game. Is it that you wish me to act as president and superintendent? No. It's as clear as day that your object is that I should play the part of that copper merchant who put in contributions in hard cash. You have, at every meeting you hold, to each take turn and pay the piper. But as your funds are not sufficient, you've invented this plan to come and inveigle me into your club in order to wheedle money out of me. This must be your little conspiracy. These words evoked general laughter. You've guessed right, 
they exclaimed. In very truth, Liu Wen smiled. You are a creature with an intellect as transparent as crystal and with wits as clear as glass. You've got the good fortune of being the elder sister-in-law, Lady Feng smilingly remarked. So the young ladies asked you to take them in hand and teach them how to read and make them learn good manners and needlework. And it's for you to guide and direct them in everything. But here they start a rhyming society for which not much can be needed. And don't you concern yourself about them? We'll leave our worthy ancestor and our Madame Wang aside. They are old people. But you receive each moon an allowance of ten tails, which is thrice as much as what any one of us gets. More, our worthy ancestor and Madame Wang maintain that being a widow and having lost your home, you haven't, poor thing, enough to live upon, and that you have a young child as well to bring up. So they added with extreme liberality another ten tails to your original share. Your allowance, therefore, is on a par with that of our dear senior. But they likewise gave you a piece of land in the garden, and you also come in for the lion's share of rents collected from various quarters, and of the annual allowances apportioned at the close of each year. Yet you and your son don't muster, master and servants, ten persons in all. What you eat and what you wear comes just as ever, out of the general public fund, so that, computing everything together, you get as much as four to five hundred tails. Were you then to contribute each year a hundred or two hundred tails to help them to have some fun? How many years could this outlay continue? They will very soon be getting married, and are they likely, then, to still expect you to make any contributions? So loath are you, however, at present, to fork out any cash that you've egged them on to come and worry me. I'm quite prepared to spend away until we've drained our chest dry. Don't I know that the money isn't mine? Just you listen to her. Li Wen laughed. I simply made one single remark, and out she came with two cartloads of nonsensical trash. You're as rough a diamond as a leg made of clay. All you are good for is to work the small abacus, to divide a catty and to fraction an ounce. So finicky are you. A nice thing you are, and yet you've been lucky enough to come to life as the child of a family of learned and high officials. You've also made such a splendid match. And do you still behave in the way you do? Had you been a son or daughter born in some poverty-stricken, humble and low household, there's no saying what a mean thing you wouldn't have been. Everyone in this world has been gulled by you, and yesterday you went so far as to strike Peng Er. But it wasn't the proper thing for you to stretch out your hand on her. Was all that liquor, forsooth, poured down a curious stomach? My monkey was up, and I meant to have taken upon myself to avenge Peng Er's grievance. But after mature consideration, I thought to myself, a birthday is as slow to come round as a dog's tail grows to a point. I also feared lest our venerable senior might be made to feel unhappy. So I did not come forward. 
anyhow my resentment isn't yet spent and do you come today to try and irritate me you aren't fit to even pick up shoes for a pinger you too should therefore change your respective places these taunts created merriment among the whole party oh hastily exclaimed lady fong laughingly i know everything you don't at all come to look me up on account of verses or paintings but simply to take revenge on pinger's behalf i never had any idea that pinger had such a backer as yourself to boister her up had i known it i wouldn't have ventured to strike her even though a spirit had been tugging my arm miss ping come over and let me tender my apologies to you in the presence of your senior lady and the young ladies do bear with me for having proved so utterly wanting in verge after i had had a few drinks everyone felt amused by her insinuations what do you say li wen asked ping er smiling as for me i think it my bounden duty to vindicate your wrongs before we let the matter drop your remarks ladies may be spoken in jest Pinger smiled, but I'm not worthy of such a fuss. What about worthy and unworthy? Li Wen observed. I'm here for you. Quick, get the key, and let your mistress go and open the doors and hunt up the things. Dear sister-in-law, Lady Feng said with a smile, you'd better go along with them into the garden. I'm about to take the rice accounts in hand and square them up with them. Our senior lady, Madame Singh, has also sent someone to call me. What she wants to tell me again, I can't make out, but I must need go over for a turn. There are, besides, all those extra clothes for you people to wear at the end of the year, and I must get them ready and give them to be made. These matters are none of my business, Li Wen laughingly answered, first settle my concerns so as to enable me to retire to rest and escape the bother of having all these girls at me dear sister-in-law vehemently smiled lady Fong. be good enough to give me a little time you've ever been the one to love me best and how is it that you have on pinger's account ceased to care for me time and again have you impressed on my mind that i should despite my manifold duties take good care of my health and manage things in such a way as to find a little leisure for rest and do you now contrarywise come to press the very life out of me there's another thing besides should such clothes as will be required at the end of the year by any other persons be delayed it won't matter but should those of the young ladies be behind time let the responsibility rest upon your shoulders and won't our old lady bear your grouch if you don't mind these small things but as for me i won't utter a single word against you for as i had rather bear the blame myself i won't venture to involve you listen to her li wen smiled hasn't she got the gift of the gap but let me ask you will you after all assume the control of this rhyming society or not What's this nonsense you are talking? Lady Fong laughed. 
Were I not to enter the society and spend a little money, won't I be treated as a rebel in this garden of broad vista? And will I then still think of tarrying here to eat my head off? So soon as the day dawns tomorrow, I'll arrive at my post, dismount from my horse, and after kneeling before the seals, my first act will be to give fifty tails for you to quietly cover the expenses of your meetings. Yet after a few days, I shall neither indict any verses nor write any compositions. As I am simply a rustic boor, nothing more. But it will be just the same whether I assume the direction or not. For after you pocket my money, there's no fear of your not driving me out of the place. As these words dropped from her lips, one and all laughed again. I'll now open the loft, proceeded Lady Fong. Should there be any of the articles you want, you can tell the servants to bring them out for you to look at them. If any will serve your purpose, keep them and use them. If any be short, I'll bid a servant go and purchase them according to your list. I'll go at once and cut the satin for the painting. As for the plan, it isn't with Madame Wang. It's still over there at Mr. Jia Jin's. I tell you all this so that you should avoid going over to Madame Wang's and getting into trouble. But I'll go and depute someone to fetch it. I'll direct also a servant to take the satin and give it to the gentleman to size with alum. Will this be all right? Li Wen nodded her head by way of assent and smiled. This will be putting you to much trouble and inconvenience, she said. But we must really act as you suggest. Well, in that case, go home all of you, and if after a time she doesn't send the thing round, you can come again and bully her. So saying, she there and then let off the young ladies, and was making her way out, when Lady Feng exclaimed, It's Pao Yu and he alone who has given rise to all this fuss. Li Wen overheard her remark, and hastily turned herself round. It did, in fact, come over, she smiled, on account of Pao Yu. And we forgot, instead all about him. The first meeting was deferred through him. But we are too soft-hearted, so tell us what penalty to inflict on him. Lady Wong gave herself to reflection. There's only one thing to do, she then remarked. Just punish him by making him sweep the floor of each of your rooms. This will do. Your verdict is faultless. They laughed with one accord. While they conversed, they were on the point of starting on their way back, when they caught sight of a young maid walk in, supporting nurse Lai. Lady Feng and her companions immediately rose to their feet, their faces beaming with smiles. Venerable mother, they said, do take a seat. They then in a body presented their congratulations to her. Nurse Lai seated herself on the edge of the stove coach and returned their smiles. I am to be congratulated, she rejoined. But you, mistresses, are to be congratulated as well. For had it had not been for the bountiful grace displaced by you, mistresses, whence would this joint of mine have come? Your ladyships sent Tai Ge again yesterday to bring me presents, but my grandson called out at the door, with his face turned towards the upper quarters. 
When is he going to his post? Li Wen inquired with a smile. Nurse Lai heaved a sigh. How can I interfere with them? She answered. Why? I let them have their own way and start when they like. The other day they were at my house, and they prostrated themselves before me, but I could find no complimentary remark to make to him. So, sir, I said, putting aside that you are an official, you have lived in a reckless and desolate way for now thirty years. You should, as true, have been people's bond servant. But from the moment you came out of your mother's womb, your masters graciously accorded you your liberty. Thanks above to the boundless blessings showered upon you by your lord, and below to the favor of your father and mother. You're like a noble scion and a gentleman, able to read and to write, and you have been carried about by maids, old matrons, and nurses, just as if you had been a very phoenix. But now that you have grown up and reached this age, do you have the faintest notion of what the two words born servant imply? All you think of is to enjoy your benefits. But what hardships your grandfather and father had to bear in slaving away for two or three generations before they succeeded after ever so many ups and downs in raising up a thing like you? You don't at all know. From the very infancy, you ever ailed from this or sickened for that, so that the money that was expended on your behalf would suffice to fuse into a lifelike silver image of you. At the age of twenty, you again received the bounty of your master in the shape of a promise to purchase official status for you. But just mark how many inmates of the principal branch and main offspring have to endure privation and suffer the pangs of hunger, so beware you, who are the offshoot of a born servant, lest you snap your happiness. After enjoying so many good things for a decade, by the help of what spirits and the agency of what devils have you, I wonder, managed to so successfully entreat your master as to induce him to bring you to the fore again and select you for office. Magistrates may be minor officials, but their functions are nonetheless onerous. In whatever district they obtain a post, they become the father and mother of that particular locality. If you, therefore, don't mind your business and look after your duties in such a way as to acquit yourself of your loyal obligations to prove your gratitude to the state and to show obedience and reverence to your lord, heaven, I fear, will not even bear with you. Li Wen and Lady Feng laughed. You are too full of misgivings, they observed. From what we can see of him, he's all right. Some years back, he paid us a visit or two, but it's many years now that he hasn't put his foot here. At the close of each year, and on birthdays, we have simply seen his name brought in, that's all. The other day, that he came to knock his head before our venerable senior and Madame Wang, we caught sight of him in her courtyard yonder, and got up in the uniform of his new office, he looked so dignified and stouter too than before. Now that he has got this post, you should be quite happy. Instead of that, you worry and fret about this and that. If he does get bad, why, 
he had his father and mother, he has to take care of him. So all you need do is to be cheerful and content. When you've got time to spare, do get into a chair and come in and have a game of cards and a chat with our worthy senior. And whoever will have the face to hurt your feelings. Why, when you go to your home, you'd also have these houses and halls. And who is there who would not hold you in high respect? You're certainly what one would call a venerable old dame. Ping Er poured a cup of tea and brought it to her. Nurse Lai speedily stood up. You could have asked any girl to do this for me. It wouldn't have mattered. But here I'm troubling you again. Apologizing, she resumed, sipping her tea the while. My lady, you are not aware that young girls of this age must be in everything kept strictly in hand. In the event of any license, they're sure to find time to kick up trouble and annoy their elders. Those who know how well they are supervised who then say that children are always up to mischief. But those who don't will maintain that they take advantage of their wealthy position to despise people, to the detriment as well of their mistress's reputation. How I regret that there's nothing that I can do with him. Time after time, have I had to send for his father, and he has been the better, after a scolding from him. Pointing at Bao Yu. I don't mind whether you feel angry with me for what I'm going to say, she proceeded, but if your father were to attempt now to exercise ever so little control over you, your venerable grandmother is sure to try and screen you. Yet, when in days gone by, your worthy father was young, he used to be beaten by your grandfather, who hasn't seen him do it. But did your father, in his youth, resemble you, who have neither fear for God or man? There was also our senior master on the other side, Mr. Jia She. He was, I admit, wild, but never such a cross-grained fellow as yourself. And yet he too had his daily dose of the whip. There was besides the father of your elder cousin, Chen, of the Eastern Mansion. He had a disposition that flared up like a fire over which oil is poured. If anything was said and it flew into a rage, why, talk about a son, it was really as if he tortured a robber. From all I can now see and hear, Mr. Chen keeps his son in check just as much as was the custom in old days among his ancestors. The only thing is that he abides by it in some respects, but not in others. Besides, he doesn't exercise the least restraint over his own self, so is it to be wondered at if all his cousins and nieces don't respect him? If you've got any sense about you, you'll only be too glad that I speak to you in this wise. But if you haven't, you mayn't be very well able to say anything openly to me. But you inwardly abuse me. Who knows to what extent? As she reproved him, they saw La Da's wife arrive. In close succession came Zhou Rui's wife, along with Zhang Tai's wife, to report various matters. A wife, laughed Lady Feng, has come to fetch her mother-in-law. I haven't come to fetch our old dame, La Da's wife smilingly rejoined, but to inquire whether you 
my lady and the young ladies will confer upon us the honor of your company. When Nurse Lai caught this remark, she smiled. I've really grown quite idiotic. What, she exclaimed, was right and proper for me to say, I didn't say. But I went on talking instead a lot of rot and rubbish. As our relatives and friends are presenting their congratulations to our grandson for having been selected to fill up that office of his, we find ourselves under the necessity of giving a banquet at home. But I was thinking that it wouldn't do. If we kept a feast going the whole day, and we invited this one, and not that one. Reflecting also that it was thanks to our master's vast bounty that we've come in for this unforeseen glory and splendor. I felt quite agreeable to do anything, even though it may entail the collapse of our household. I therefore advised its father to give banquets on three consecutive days. That he should, on the first, put up several tables and a stage in our mean garden and invite your venerable dowager lady, the senior ladies, junior ladies, and young ladies to come and have some distraction during the day, and that he should have several tables laid on the stage in the main pavilion outside, and request the senior and junior gentlemen to confer upon us the luster of their presence. That for the second day, we should ask our relatives and friends, and that for the third, we should invite our companions from the two mansions. In this way, we will have three days' excitement, and by the boundless favor of our master, we will have the benefit of enjoying the honor of your society. When is it to be? Li Wen and Lady Feng inquired, smilingly. As far as we are concerned, we will feel it our duty to come, and we hope that our worthy senior may feel in the humor to go. But there's no saying for certain. The day chosen is the 14th, La Da's wife eagerly replied. Just come for the sake of our old mother-in-law. I can't tell about the others, Lady Feng explained with a laugh. But as for me, I shall positively come. I must, however, tell you beforehand that I've no congratulatory presents to give you. Nor do I know anything about tips to players or others. As soon as I shall have done eating, I shall bolt. So don't laugh at me. Fiddlesticks, Lai Da's wife laughed. Were your ladyship disposed, you could well afford to give us twenty and thirty thousand taels. I'm off now to invite our venerable mistress, Nurse Lai smilingly remarked, and if her ladyship also agrees to come, I shall deem it a greater honor than ever conferred upon me. Having said this, she went on to issue some injunctions, after which she got up to go, when the sight of Zhou Rui's wife reminded her of something. Of course, she consequently observed, I've got one more question to ask you, my lady. What did sister-in-law Zhou's son do to incur blame that he was packed off and his services dispensed with? I was just about to tell your daughter-in-law, Lady Fong answered smilingly, after listening to her question, but with so many things to preoccupy me, it slipped from my memory. When you get home, Sister Norlai, explain to that old husband of yours that we won't have his, that is, Jower's son, kept in either of the mansions, and that he can tell him to go about his own business. Lai Da's wife had no option but to express her acquiescence. 
Zhu Rui's wife, however, speedily fell on her knees and gave way to urgent entreaties. What is it all about? Nurse Lai shouted. Tell me and let me determine the right and wrong of the question. The other day, Lady Feng observed that my birthday was celebrated. That young fellow of his got drunk before the wine ever went round. And when the old dame over there sent presents, he didn't go outside to give a helping hand, but squatted down instead and upbraided people, even the presents he wouldn't carry inside. And it was only after the two girls had come indoors that he eventually got the servant lads and brought them in. Those lads were, however, careful enough in what they did. But as for him, he let the box he held slip from his hands and bestrewed the whole courtyard with cakes. When everyone had left, I deputed Tai Ming to go and talk to him. But he then turned round and gave Tai Ming a regular scolding. So what's the use of not bundling off a disorderly rascal like him, who neither shows any regard for discipline or heaven? I was wondering what it could be, Nurse Lai ventured. Was it really about this? My lady, listen to me. If he has done anything wrong, thrash him and scold him, until you make him mend his ways and finish with it. But to drive him out of the place will never by any manner of means do. He isn't, besides, to be treated like a child born in our household. He is at present employed as Madame Wang's attendant. So, if you carry out your purpose of expelling him, your ladyship's face will be put to the blush. My idea is that you should, my lady, give him a lesson by letting him have several whacks with a cane so as to induce him to abstain from wine in the future. If you then retain him in your service as hitherto, he'll be all right. If you don't do it for his mother's sake, do it at least for that of Madame Wang. After lending an ear to her arguments, Lady Feng addressed herself to La Da's wife. Well, in that case, she said, call him over tomorrow and give him forty blows, and don't let him after this touch any more wine. Lai Da's wife promised to execute her directions. Zhu Ru's wife then kowtowed and rose to her feet, but she also persisted upon prostrating herself before Nurse Lai, and only desisted when Lai Da's wife pulled her up. But presently, the trio took their departure, and Li Wen and her companions sped back into the garden. End of section 40